0: It's another edition of our HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Friday, July the 14th. I'm your host, Donald Ware. As a matter of fact, today it is SWAC Media Day in Birmingham. And although we're not able to be there, we're going to be joined by a gentleman to help us talk about Grambling. Santoria Black is the play-by-play voice for the Grambling Tigers, and he'll join us momentarily. Of course, this HBCU Football Daily Podcast is part of our initiative, hashtag HBCU125, celebrating 125 years of HBCU football. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of our podcasts, of course, yesterday we had a chance to preview Tennessee State in weeks uh, prior. Uh, We're previewing all... 50 of the HBCU football playing institutions. You can log on to our website at uh to check out some of our previous podcasts. Well, n- without further ado, joining us on the line to talk about the Grambling State Tigers, who've had a, you know, a really busy offseason. Uh, a lot of guys coming into the program, the presentation of the rings. They are the defending HBCU national champions is the play-by-play voice for the Tigers, Santoria Black. What's going on, Santoria?
1: I'm doing well. How
0: are you, brother? Doing really good, man. Thanks for joining us. I I, want to start here because, you know, you and I had a chance to talk and I asked you the question. And, you know, I would say that this may be one of the this may be the busiest offseason for Grambling since they, you know, were HBCU champs and SWAC champions in 2005, but I would also say that it, I don't know if the excitement is was as much then in terms of coming into the next season as it is now. Of course, Bruce Eugene was leaving; a lot of guys were leaving that team. Conversely, Devontae Kincaid, others are coming back. Is that a fair statement?
1: Oh yeah, you start looking at some of the things that have happened during the off season, and let's just start with on the defensive side of the football. Um, a couple of Power Five guys who will maybe coming over here. You got Oregon State defensive back Kendall Hill. He announced, I believe, in uh, late April, early May, that he plans to come over and join the Tigers. And you know, you think about. Uh, he had 21 tackles in 2016 for Oregon State. So now he's coming over. Uh, started five, I think he started five games in 2015 and finished out with 39 tackles there. So uh, he's going to be coming over. You've got a defensive end for Mississippi State who's coming over with Anthony. Uh, so that's just on the defensive side of the ball. Then you've got guys who are already here on campus who weren't eligible to play necessarily last year and they're going to play this year, especially at the wide receiver position. Because uh, you got to fill Chad's spot because, of, you know, he's now with Arizona. Uh, and so when you see a lot of these guys that have left and they're, that have gone on and graduated and some of, you know, of course, Chad going on to the NFL, Berlin Hunter was signed by the Redskins. They're really going to be reloading this year instead of rebuilding. And that's really a good sign. I think the biggest thing, looking at coming into the spring that the questions were how are they going to address those offensive and defensive line needs because you've got three guys who are all gone from the offensive line they address that with uh, transfers and also getting some really good signees so i think this is going to be a really really big season for the grambling tigers
0: yeah i mean of course i mean even even within the grambling family but uh, I mean, Doug Williams, senior vice president of, of personnel with the Washington Redskins. I mean, it, it has been so crazy. And you mentioned the wide receiver situation. Dominique Leak also gone. So you got to kind of feel um, those three spots as well. Let's start uh, from a personnel standpoint. And um, I mean, how impressive I mean, it, you know, You talk about the quarterback position and Devontae Kincaid was so impressive last year. Your thoughts, not only his play last year, but also what you saw from him in the spring and how much better he can be in 2017.
1: Well, i tell you what, he was really super impressive in uh, last year. And if you look at what he was able to do, I mean, had he not been hurt, even, you know, the fans at Arizona said that that game probably would have been won by Grambling because he was torching Arizona. I think that was one of the coming out parties because there were so many people, especially because it's, you know, late on the West coast when you're out there, so many people were paying attention to that ball game. That was one of those things that really impressed a lot of people in what Devonte Kincaid has, you know, was able to do. So with him coming back, I think it's, it's even going to be better. Um, he's, he's healthy He's moving well. He's working out extremely well. And, you know, you really have to give it to the guys for their dedication and commitment to the program because 91 out of 95 football players are here for the Summer 2 session. 91 out of 95 players. I mean, that's unheard of. And so to say that the commitment level is on a high level, to say that these kids I've bought all the way in is an understatement. This is really, really uh, going to be a great year. Martez Carter, of course, Mr. Excitement. Here's a guy who started on the uh, back of special teams and uh, now all of a sudden he goes from a special teams role and he's one of the premier athletes not only on the team but in the conference not only from a you know running game but he can also catch the ball out of the backfield uh he can also he can run things back so he's going to be coming back Darius christmas uh is going to be coming back at linebacker so uh, Devontae Lindsay he'll be coming back so you've got a lot of guys who really will be able to fill it fill some great holes and then of course you got some transfers coming in who will be able to help you right away. Yeah, and of
0: course, I mean, uh, I want to talk about Martez Carter, and you're right. I mean, getting back to Kincaid, 31 touchdowns to only four interceptions, completing 64% of his passes was unbelievable. So the aforementioned Martez Carter, he, you know, seemed like he may have started out a little bit slow on last year, but at the end of the day, 906 yards rushing, 7.7 yards per carry, unbelievable, 11 touchdowns. You're talking about a guy that touched uh, that carried in SS, or in essence uh an average of 10 times per game but then you alluded to it been able to catch that ball out of the backfield as well what is you know what's sort of going to be his role this year especially without Justin Kelly who had the most carries for the uh, Tigers last
1: year well I think that his role is still going to be you know to make sure that he he's still a leader on the field um he's going to have to make sure that he's going to be somebody that they're going to target when you look at What teams are going to do, they know that he is a dangerous weapon for the Tigers, not only on offense, but on special teams as well. If the ball gets into his hands, he can explode. And we saw that last year in a lot of different occasions where he would get 20, 30 yards on a clip running back because, you know, they were kicking right to Martez. Pretty soon they get the hang of it. Well, we've got to kick away from him because if we don't, he's going to continue to torture us. And so, you know, not only that, but then, you know, if he gets in the open field, it's very difficult to catch him. So getting to that second line that end of the secondary is very important. He's going to be looked at as a leader on this team. And he's going to, you know, he's going to be a big part of this offense. And it's going to be up to teams to try to stop him. And, you know, with a, a growing offensive line, with good weapons, and, you know, as far as wide receivers, you know, if you can open up that game a little bit, they've got to respect your passing game, that running game is going to come as well.
0: Santoria Black again, the play-by-play voice for the Grambling State Tigers. He joins us here on the program. Want to talk to you maybe a little bit, I guess, Santoria, about the schedule overall. But what does it mean to have not not to have Jackson State back on the schedule, but for Jackson State to return to Eddie Robinson Stadium? Um, you know, for the first time in a, in a while, particularly ever since. Um, the incident where uh, Gramlin decided to boycott back in 2013?
1: You know, it's huge. Jackson State has been one of those schools that has, you know, a lot of fan support, brings a lot of fans to campus, into this area. And so to have them back here after about a four-year hiatus is, is huge. Uh, you know, you got guys who have graduated who never saw Jackson State come to campus. And so, you know, this is a really big opportunity here for Jackson State University to come here um as i said the fan support is always great for them to come to robinson stadium you know with a brand new jumbotron coming in a brand new field coming in you know the excitement with that it'll be high school day it'll be the third game of the season second home game you know that's going to shape up to be a really premier game to where a lot of people will be able to come in and really see what's going on the whole atmosphere the excitement you can really tell is is really coming to where it's it's was back in the in the late 90s, in the early nineties. You know when they had Steve McNair coming in, when you had all these guys who were talented from the swag, You know in the late eighties. So I think this is really going to be a banner year.
0: Uh, Tulane to, to open the season in New Orleans. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, big game. Arizona was was the was the FBS opponent on last year. I mean, gramlin has got a chance at a at a win here in New Orleans.
1: They do, and, you know, that's one of the things that people, you know, they looked at last year and they saw Arizona and they said, well, you know, it's a Pac-12 school and what have you. But when they went in there and gave Arizona that scare with the talent that they had and Devontae Kincaid, a quarterback, they could not stop him. And that's one of the things that uh, Rich Rodriguez, he talked about on his conference call for three consecutive weeks on how they had to improve in making sure the quarterbacks didn't get out of the pocket. I mean, that's just how much they put a scare into them. Um, and the, the other thing is, is that it's going to be a big game for a lot of reasons with that Tulane game. One, of course, it is in New Orleans, so you're beginning you in the regular season in New Orleans. But the second thing is the brother of Broderick Fobbs is on the opposite sideline, Jamal Fobbs. He's an assistant coach for Tulane University. And, of course, Lee Fobbs, he also was an assistant coach at one point in time with Tulane. So you've got, a, you've got two sons, you know, on opposite sides, and you've got the dad on the grounding side who will all be coaching in that ball game. And then you give a little bit more Louisiana flavor. You know, it's an opportunity for fans who, you know, don't get a chance in the early part of the season to see grambling, especially in the South Louisiana area, to come out and see this game down at, one, you know, a new stadium here in the state, uh, uh, Yeoman Stadium over in uh, New Orleans.
0: Lastly, Santorio, we appreciate the time. I mean, your knowledge of grambling and the SWAC as a whole is so vast. Would it, you know, you, you've. I, I think you've broken everything down, but what did we miss? Anything we need to be on the lookout for? Maybe that's happened uh, in the off season or the upcoming season that we have not discussed.
1: Well, you know, I think the biggest thing, like I said, is that the, the new field. You got the new scoreboard coming in. Uh, four home games on the campus at Gramley State University this year. Originally, the Texas Southern game, which was scheduled over in Shreveport, uh, which is going to be in, I believe, November. That game is now, or late October. That game is now moved back to campus. So that would be the fourth home game. So you've got. Two home games back-to-back toward the beginning of the season, second and third week of the season. And then the 21st and 28th, you'll have back-to-back home games with Alcorn and then Texas Southern University. So this is probably one of the more impressive home schedules that Grandling's had in a long time with Northwestern, Jackson, Alcorn, and Texas Southern University. If we get the kind of fan support that's necessary for these four games, we could actually break some attendance records. Because I'm telling you, this is the kind of home schedule fans look for with these uh, three impressive games on the SWAC with Alcorn and Jackson coming to campus, and then a school in Northwestern State right there in Nagadoosh about an hour and 40 minutes away coming to campus as well. So I think this is really an opportunity for – for the uh, Grumbling Tiger fans to really show their support, buy the season tickets. You know, they're I mean they're there. They're on sale. They're at, they're at a really reasonable price. And, you know, all of this support that we can get early on, it helps the athletic program. People say, well, how can we help? That's the way you help is to buy season tickets. If you are a fan of any HBCU team, if all you do is you ask for comp tickets, you are hurting the program. If you go out and you buy season tickets, now you may get a few comp tickets if you, are, you know, have a certain position. But if you buy and you invest in season tickets, you're investing in the program.
0: Man, very well said. I did say lastly, but something just occurred to me. So, you know, Broderick Fabian, as we need to talk about him and the outstanding job that he's done. He played obviously at Grambling. It is his alma mater, but I'm getting a feel um Santoria like this may be a uh, a resurgence of of Grambling like maybe not on the same scale, but sort of maybe on a different scale for these times in terms of what we saw back in the day with the Yankee Stadium and Grambling all over the world and playing in Japan and, and again, with Fobbs being the head as one who played under Eddie Robinson. I mean, is that – you know, what what do you think about that when I say that?
1: I think there's some truth to that. One of the things Coach Fobbs talked about when he first – Uh, came on the job is that he wanted some of the nostalgia from back in the day and getting that culture back, but also understanding the new era that we're in as well. You know, the new era of social media, the era of making sure that players are taken care of in a different way, because, you know, you, can't ever go back, but you can take a little bit of what happened in history and apply it to the new, and really uh, do some things. And so you look at what happened in the late '80s and early '90s. Uh, I think the largest crowd still in Robinson Stadium history was 1994, uh, during a game where Steve McNair and uh, Kendrick Nord battled it out, 62 to 56 ball game. There were over 25,000 fans at Robinson Stadium. And that game, that particular year, Grambling went on to win the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I believe they went nine and three that year. And so now, this is that kind of culture. This is the kind of excitement that you're starting to see again. More thing, more students coming out to ball games. More people buying season tickets, and not just fans, but administrators and employees buying season tickets. And when you start seeing that kind of resurgence, you know that there is a complete investment and a turn of the culture in the program. And it's saying nothing about what's happened between Eddie robinson and coach fobbs but i think coach fobbs has that ticket of what this program needs they needed a broderick fobbs who was a grambling son who played for coach robinson who was young enough to understand the tradition and old enough to understand what you know old enough to understand the tradition but young enough to understand what you need for today and he's got coaches around him that understand that as well so i think that's why he's been so successful
0: very well said. When Grambling football is healthy, HBCU football, it makes HBCU football healthier. Santoria Black, breaking it down, he is the play-by-play voice for the Grambling State Tigers. He joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Santoria, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, uh, I want you to have a great time at Swack Media Day, man, and I hope to see you real soon.
1: Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure being on with you.
0: I mean, Broderick Fobs is definitely Um, And Santoria hit it right on the head in terms of what he's meant to the program. And I think he 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 said it perfectly in terms of Fobbs being young enough to be able to go and get those things done and understand today's player. But remembering how things were for Grambling and, of course, with his his father um, uh, being a graduate as well. So he's seen it from a young pup into even playing uh, at So that's going to wrap it up for today's HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I hope you have a great weekend on Monday. We kick things back off with Southern. Speaking of Grambling, if any two teams in the SWAC that are tied together, it is Grambling and Southern, and we're going to preview Southern on Monday. Have a great weekend. Broken glass in the hallway, bloodstained floors. Neighbors, look at every bag you bring through your doors. Lock the top lock. Mama should've cuffed me to the radiator. Why not? It might've saved me later from my block and why cops. Hookers crawling off the stroke. coughing stitches in their head. Stinking and I dread thinking they be snitching. But who else could it be? Sugar D's are Mark vans parked in the dark. Knocks, where's your heart? Hustle or starve? They bustle, you I jog to my building. Come out later wearing camouflage.